Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grove, and now, here's a word from the Lord. We're going to continue this sermon series on be kind. So be kind and bear with me. Be kind and receive the word God has for you on today. We turn to First Chronicles chapter 19. First Chronicles chapter 19. We're going to deal with the whole chapter. But for the sake of time, I'm only going to read the first eight verses of 1st Chronicles chapter 19. Very interesting story. Very interesting story here in 1st Chronicles chapter 19. Let me read the first eight verses and we're going to get right into this word. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died and his son Hanun became king. David said, I am going to show loyalty to Hanun because his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent messengers to express sympathy and hate expressed sympathy to Hanan, excuse me, about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commander said to Hanan, Do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No. David has sent them to spy out the land so they can come in and conquer it. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved them, cut off their robes at the buttocks, and sent them back to David in shame. When David heard about what happened to the men that he sent, his mes- he sent his messengers to tell them, Stay at Jericho until your beards grow out, and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. When the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David, Hanan and the Ammonites sent 75,000 pounds of silver to hire chariots and charioteers from, watch this, Aram Nahaream. Aram, Nahoram, and Aram, Mayaka, and Zobah. They also hired 32,000 chariots and, and secured the support of the king of Mayaka and his army. These forces camped at Mediba, where they were joined by the Ammonite troops that Hanan had recruited from his own towns. When David heard about this, he sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. I want to talk today from the thought how to ruin a genuine act of kindness. How to ruin a genuine act of kindness. What is kindness? What is it? According to Merriam-Webster, it is the state of being kind. That's deep, ain't it? That's deep. But kindness, kind to be kind is, is synonymous with friendliness, being nice, being pleasant, being a person of goodwill, affection, warmth, and consideration. Mark Twain said, kindness is the language the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Late theologian Albert Schweitzer said, Constant kindness can accomplish much. As the sun melts ice, kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. I think I'm going to read that one more time. The late Albert Schweitzer, theologian Albert Schweitzer, Constant kindness can accomplish much. As the sun makes ice melt, kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. Amen. 
Amen. But what is biblical kindness? What is biblical kindness? Biblical kindness, as I shared with you this past Wednesday, is deeper than doing something nice. It's deeper than doing something nice. The word oftentimes interpreted as kindness in the Bible is also interpreted as loving kindness, mercy, loyalty, and love. Maybe that's why Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. So biblical kindness, y'all, is deeper than doing something nice. It goes further beyond doing something nice. True kindness manifests when you have the option of being other than kind. I suppose kindness is what we're talking about when we say of the Lord, He didn't have to do it, but He did. In our text today, King David wanted to show kindness to newly enthroned King Hanan. The Bible shares how, how Hanan's dad, Nahash, had shown kindness to David. Now, Nahash had died, and now, wanted, and now David wanted to return the blessing to his son. Uh, now, there does not appear to be in any Bible verse that explicitly shows us when or where or even how Nahash had shown kindness to David. It is supposed by many scholars that perhaps Nahash was one of those kings mentioned in the Bible, not by name, but, but mentioned as, as one of the others who helped David and supported David when David was running from King Saul. And it's maybe, it is also supposed that King Nahash uh, helped David, not because he wanted to be kind to David, but because Nahash and David had a common enemy in King Saul. So then, maybe while David was running from Saul, Nahash had at some point, somehow, some way, while he himself had, had beef with Saul, was helping David because, again, they had a common enemy. So we're not certain. We're not certain as to when Nahash showed David kindness. Yet we are certain that David is showing kindness to his son, Hanan. Now, I believe it is safe to assume that King David is being genuine with King Hanan. Uh, David's gesture of extending sympathy toward Hanan after the death of his father is something David didn't have to do, but he did it. David is extending genuine kindness toward Hanan. Unfortunately, Hanan blew it. He didn't say thank you. He didn't send David's messengers back to David with a thank you card or a thank you text or, or thank you engraved on a rock. You know how they may have been uh, communicating back during that time. He responded rather with very harsh, degrading, cruel treatment that brought on a needless war that Hanan ended up losing. Uh, have you ever reached out to someone to whom you wanted to demonstrate genuine kindness only for them to read your motives wrong? I'm sure that may have happened to you once or twice. Have you ever done something for someone without being asked only for them to not only be ungrateful, but come for you in a very threatening way? There are some people like that. And I'm sure you probably had folks uh, who have had you to say, I'll never do anything for them ever again. The person to whom you show genuine kindness ruined an opportunity to be blessed. And I wanted to serve notice today with everything going on in our world, with everything going on in our country, we need more kindness to be genuinely shown and graciously received. With all the violence and evil and misunderstandings and hostilities of which I spoke last Sunday, we need more kindness to be genuinely showed and graciously received how can we ruin how can we ruin a genuine act of kindness it can be ruined that's what we're going to see in the text that kindness can be ruined how can a genuine 
act of kindness be ruined. Here's the first thing. First thing. First thing. Rely on insecure instigators inside your circle. Rely on insta insecure instigators inside your circle. Watch this in verse number three. Verse number three. We're going to see how Hanan relied on insecure instigators inside his circle. Verse three. The Ammonite commander said to Hanan, Do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? It, it looked like they were. I mean, honestly, it looked like they were. Watch this in verse 3. They responded, no, no. David has sent them to spy out the land so they can come in and conquer it. David's ambassadors came to express their condolences and pledge David's loyalty to Hanan. Hanan's commanders didn't trust David. We can sort of understand why. When you really do some digging into the word of God, you can sort of understand why. There's ugly history of bad blood between the Ammonites and Israel. There were repeated skirmishes between them mentioned in scripture. Hanan's father, in fact, Nahash, is part of this ugly history between the people of Ammon and the people of Israel. 1 Samuel 11, 1 and 2 gives us a little peek as to some the role Nahash played in the ugly history between the Ammonites and the Israelites. 1 Samuel 11, 1 and 2. About a month later, King Nahash of Ammon led his army against the Israelite town of Jabesh-Gilead. But all the citizens of Jabesh asked for peace. Make a treaty with us and we will be your servants, they pleaded. All right, Nahash said. Watch this, y'all. But only on one condition. I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to all Israel. Who does that? Who does that? Let's make a treaty. We'll be your servants. All right. Here's Nahash, Hanan's daddy. The one who showed kindness to David, David says. And David says, all right, to repay the favor, I'll show kindness to uh, uh, Hanan. Dahash, we can have this treaty, but on one condition, I'll gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to Israel, as a disgrace to all Israel. So he wanted this whole country to walk around looking like Slick Rick and expected them to go for it, right? Regardless, with this history in mind, David and Hanan could be the ones who would end the rift between their people. Picture this now. you got the, the people of Ammon. Hanan is their king. The people of Israel. David is their king. David is coming to show kindness to Hanan because his dad, Nahash, as cruel as he may have been a time or two, he showed kindness to David. There's history between their people. History between their ancestors. They represent, listen y'all, they represent a generation that can bring an end to the rift between their people. This moment could probably help bring this in to the distrust and the suspicion that lingered for generations. This is something to think about for any persons whose people have bad history with some other people or people who are part of a family who have had bad history with another family or people who are part of an organization who have had bad history with another organization or team or department that had historical uh, historically has had bad uh, history with another team or another department. What I'm saying is mutual kindness can replace maintained conflict when people decide enough is enough. When David showed up, when David's messenger showed up to, to extend his condolences to Hanan, Hanan could have realized, you know what, this could be the end or at least contribute to the end of bad blood between my people in David's people. Unfortunately, unfortunately for Hanan, 
he relied on insecure instigators who got in his ear, and they were suspicious of the true motivation behind David's gesture. They asserted the ambassadors really showed up to spy out the land so Israel could take it. Hanan's Ammonite commanders must have seen the ambassadors of Israel as their enemy rather than as human beings. Watch the TED talk a couple of days ago. I know you're thinking, Pastor, you always watching TED talks, you always listening to podcasts. You know, Pastor, just stick with the Bible. Just stick with the Bible. I hear what you're saying. So I'm watching this TED talk the other day, right? And uh, there's this journalist, the South Korean journalist named Yuna Lee. Some of you may remember when Lisa Ling, uh, a, a journalist, was, was captured and uh, uh, was, was held in North Korea, a North Korean prison. Well, Yuna Lee was with her in 2009 and experience, had an experience with North Korean prison guards. Now, Yuna Lee, being South Korean, always viewed North Koreans as the enemy, as the enemy. But Yuna Lee and her colleague, Laura Ling, I'm sorry, not Lisa Ling, her sister, Laura Ling, but Yuna, Ling, Yuna Lee and her, Laura, and her colleague, Laura Ling, uh, they were shooting a documentary on the border with China, and they were captured, and the court sentenced them to 12 years of hard labor. But American diplomats were able to get them out. But while they were in this North Korean prison, again, a Yuna Lee, South Korean journalist, raised to believe North Korea is the enemy. And that's how she saw them, as the enemy, until some of those North Korean guards uh, showed her kindness. One North Korean guard, uh, Yuna Lee, had lost her coat when she was captured. And they, were, they were captured on a frozen lake in the wintertime. And she left her coat on this frozen lake. And so she was cold. One of the North Korean guards gave her his coat to keep her warm. That was the first thing that really caught her attention to see that these North Korean prison guards and the North Korean people were just that. They were people, not just the enemy, but the kindness that was shown toward her caused her to see them as people, as human beings. Then there was another guard when, when Yuna Lee was hungry. Another North Korea prison guard gave her a boiled egg. Now, you may be thinking, you, you may be thinking, a boiled egg ain't nothing. Give me, you ain't, you ain't going to win me over with a boiled egg. When you are hungry, when you're starving, right? You never know when a boiled egg or a piece of fried bologna, which I just can't stand, grew up on it, can't stand it now. But something that you may think is, is not such a big deal, but when someone, when someone sees your need and they care enough to meet your need, only a cold, heartless person could still see them as a stank old, raggedy, no good, low down, evil, wicked enemy. Kindness has a way of chipping at your heart. But that's not the only thing that happened. There was another, another prison guard, female North Korean prison guard, that, who was being transferred from the, from the prison where Yuna Lee was being held. She was being transferred to another prison. So she and Yuna Lee had developed a, a, re a relationship over time. And uh, Yuna Lee had helped this North Korean prison card to learn a lot about what was happening in America, and, and they developed a relationship. So when this North Korean female prison guard was being transferred to another prison, she made her way to Yuna Lee and told her, I hope everything works out, that you can get home to your family. These acts of kindness by these, by these, these North Korean prison guards chipped away at Yuna Lee's perception of North Korean people. And rather than see these people as the enemy, she saw them as human beings, their kindness melted away. It caused it melted away her heart. It caused the hostility to evaporate. 
Hanan's commanders didn't see David, Israel, or his ambassadors as humans. They saw them as their enemies. They didn't think David was sincere. Although there are times people do kind things with ulterior motives, Hanan could have trusted David in this instance. Hanan probably should have trusted his own instinct rather than the insecurity of his instigating commanders. He could have, Hanan could have taken measures to form his own opinion and draw his own conclusion about David's motives. If you want to ruin a genuine act of kindness, then rely on the insecure instigators in your circle to tell you the true motivations of others, especially people who have historically been your enemy. The second thing, second thing, there's another way to ruin a genuine act of kindness. Second thing I want to share with you is, second way to ruin a genuine act of kindness, really embarrass ambassadors who are innocent. Really embarrass ambassadors who are innocent. Look at verse number four, verse four. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved them, cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. What I want you to see, what I want you to see is that Hanan didn't just embarrass David's ambassadors. He really embarrassed David's ambassadors. And what we find when we look at the parallel text, this story is also told in 2 Samuel chapter 10. In 2 Samuel chapter 10, we are told that what, what, ha what actually happened was that the beards of David's ambassadors was cut in half. Their beards were cut in half. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 10 verse 4 says that they shaved off half of each man's beard, right? So Hanan didn't merely embarrass the ambassadors. He really embarrassed the ambassadors. For these men, this was amongst the worst ways to insult them and attack their dignity. A man's beard was almost revered in Oriental culture. And some men will tell you today, though, you brothers who can grow your beards, I can't grow mine all like that. You know, I can't, I can't grow mine all like that. But some of these brothers who grow their beards all out, more power to you. But they will tell you, hey, this is something serious, that beard game. I've seen posts on Facebook where some cats uh, get their beards, they get it trimmed, and they don't like it. And they talk about how long it took. My nephew in particular talked about how long it took for him to grow his beard. Beard game is something serious. Some serious. And in, in, in that day and time, to shave the whole beard would have been insulting. But to shave half of it, which is downright cruel. Just downright cruel. And then to cut their dark their garments and expose their buttocks, just put salt in the wound. Just just low down. Just low down. So Hanan's actions bring to mind the words of Franklin D. Roosevelt. He said, Human kindness has never weakened the stamina or softened the fiber of a free people. A nation does not have to be cruel to be tough. Oh, if only Hanan would have heard those words and backed off from his cruel treatment of David's ambassadors. These ambassadors were, these ambassadors were innocent. They were innocent. They were simply representatives of their nation on behalf of their leader, King David. And to insult them was similar to a don't shoot the messenger kind of deal. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was just all kind of wrong. But the truth, if the truth is told, you and I, we interact with innocent ambassadors almost every day. Almost every day. Well, almost every day before the shutdown, right? But we interact with innocent ambassadors on a frequent basis. Here's what I mean. Um, these ambassadors were simply doing their job. They were simply doing their job. Has anyone ever really embarrassed you when you were simply doing your job? Or how about this? Have you ever really embarrassed someone 
who is simply doing their job. That waitress, that salesperson, that customer service rep, that manager. How about that person who told you that face masks were mandatory? People just doing their job. Just doing their job. I remember First Lady and I were in New Orleans about maybe a year, last year. We were in New Orleans last year. And so we, we went sightseeing and everything, and we were about to get on this trolley car. And um, as we're getting on, excuse me, one passenger is just going off on the conductor. I can't recall what the situation was, was surrounding. I can't remember what the, the basis of the situation was. But this one passenger was just going off on the conductor. The conductor wouldn't let the passenger do something and everything. And the passenger, passenger I don't see why you got a problem with it. I don't see why I can't, you know. And she just started insulting the conductor, talking about how much money she made and how she probably couldn't get a better job. And was probably conducting this train was probably all she was qualified to do and wasn't smart enough to do anything more. And I mean, just insulting. And there were other people on the trolley. You know, she's just insulting the conductor. And the impression I got was that the conductor was simply doing her job. Listen, be kind to people who are simply doing their job. Here's another way to look at these ambassadors and bring us to mind to how we interact with people just like this on a rather frequent basis. These ambassadors were not only simply doing their job, these ambassadors could not fight back. They could not fight back. These ambassadors were not as high in rank as King Hanan. Besides, they're in his territory and they're outnumbered. Fighting back after their beards and garments were cut would not have worked in their favor. They could not fight back. Keep in mind, now keep that in mind the next time you want to really embarrass that person you supervise, that person you lead, or your children, people who typically can't fight back or it'd be very detrimental. It wouldn't work well for them if they fought back. Keep that in mind the next time you're dealing with citizens you're called to serve and protect. Sometimes can't. They're handcuffed. Can't fight back. Treat people who can't fight back with kindness. Here's another thing to consider. We're going to move on. These ambassadors couldn't fight back. They're simply doing their job. But these ambassadors, they, they symbolize people that you and I interact with on a rather frequent basis where we see that these ambassadors were grown men. Grown men. That's, that's all I have to say because that's how we say it in it. Grown man. Grown. Have you ever had to remind someone that you're a grown man or a grown woman? Grown folk expect to be treated with dignity, respect, honor. You wouldn't stand for being talked down to or treated like a child. And if you expect to be treated as such, then do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Isn't that what we refer to as the golden rule? Then we have the platinum rule. Treat others the way they want you to treat them. All I'm trying to tell you is when you have innocent people in your life who are just representing a larger organization or another person, listen, be kind, be kind. Hanan really embarrassed these innocent ambassadors. And this, this embarrassment reminds me of another time in the Bible where a king showed genuine kindness and folks tried to shame him. They mocked him by putting a crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hand and feet on an old rugged cross. But here's how he endured it. For the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him. God told me to tell you that whenever you're shamed, don't, you don't have to avenge yourself to those who shame you. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Although they try to shame you, God shall set you up for victory. And if you receive that, type amen. Type amen. So follow Jesus' example. Otherwise, you may be ruining a genuine act of kindness. If you want to ruin a genuine act, genuine act of kindness, I'm going to tell you, you can rely on insecure instigators in your circle. You can really embarrass innocent ambassadors. You can, here's, here's the third thing, you can recruit outsiders into an unnecessary fight. I'm telling you, if you really want to mess up an opportunity where you could be blessed, recruit outsiders into an unnecessary fight. I'm in verses 6 and 7, 1 Chronicles chapter 19. When the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David, Hanan and the Ammonites sent 75,000 pounds of silver to hire chariots and charioteers from Aram Nahaream. <laughs> I'll say it again. Aram Nahaream. Close enough. Aram, Aram Mayaka and Zoba. Listen, I'm not from Syria. I'm not from Mesopotamia. I'm from Flint, Michigan. I don't know, folk. We don't have these cities in Flint. Y'all just got to bear with me. Be kind and bear with me trying to pronounce these names. Verse 7, verse 7, they also hired 32,000 chariots and secured the support of the king of Maaka and his army. These forces camped at Mediba, where they were joined by the Ammonite troops that Hanan had recruited from his own towns. King David tried to show kindness to King Hanan. He tried. And rather than graciously, graciously accept King David's genuine gesture, Hanan had to show out. He just had to show his royal behind. And now he's really ticked David off. Hanan knows if David and Israel attack him and the Ammonites, they're outmatched. They're done. It's over with. So he, he needs some help. So he goes, he goes to secure help from Mesopotamia and Syria. Paid them, broke them off to get them to fight with him against Israel. These nations are outsiders. This thing is really between Hanan and David, right? It's really between the Ammonites and the Israelites. But Hanan knows we can't fight these people and win by ourselves. If the truth is told, he ain't going to win with the Mesopotamians or the Syrians. He still ain't going to win. But he pulled these outsiders in. While it can prove to be beneficial to have outsiders come to your aid and fight for you, especially when they believe in you and believe in what you stand for and what you represent. It's, it can be beneficial, but there are some times, there are some times where we don't need to pull outside folk into a uh, little foolishness that we got ourselves into. And sometimes we help, other fight, we help others fight for what's right because it's the decent human, decent, humane, Christian thing to do. But this fight, Hanan is getting these folks in is so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. It's unnecessary because this could have been avoided if Hanan didn't, if Hanan hadn't destroyed the dignity of David's ambassadors. All of this drama Hanan had gotten himself into could have been avoided if he had simply checked his own insecurity and, and the insecurity of the men around him and his own abuse of his power. But now, now he's gotten himself and others in a fight that he cannot and will not win. But Hanan can show enough pick them, can't he? Hanan can show enough pick them, I'm telling you. I mean, these other nations cannot help Hanan win against David and Israel. Now, he, he had picked a bad group to listen to when he listened to his commanders, right, who, 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 caught, who helped him to question the motives of David and these ambassadors. 
And now he picked another bad group to help him fight against David. He picked forces that even along with his own Ammonite troops were no match for David in Israel. If you're going to recruit outsiders to fight with you, get some outsiders who will help you win. He pushed away the one who could help him win, David. He pulled in the ones who couldn't keep him from losing, the dummies. He was threatened by David, who was actually the one who could help him win. He was comforted by the ones who couldn't keep him from losing. He was insecure toward the one who could bless him. He was secure with the ones who couldn't prevent his getting beat down. I mean, they beat the brakes off of him, too. He recruited outsiders who fled when he needed them to fight. David had someone who fought until the victory was won. Hanan recruited outsiders whose fears got the best of them. David had someone fighting with him who was faithful in battle. Have you ever pulled people into your life? Uh, who are, have you pulled people into your life who are helping you walk in blessings or co-signing behavior that keeps you getting beat down? Every time you turn around, you just getting beat down in life. Just you know your friends can keep your lights on. You know your friends can keep a job. You know your friends can keep a man or a woman. You know your friends can stay off drugs. It's bad enough when you know your friends can help one another walk in blessings. It seems as if your friends help you constantly get beat down. Maybe you and your friends need some new friends. Hanan felt threatened by David and went and recruited other kings to help him fight. Kings, plural, more than one. The, the, King for the Mesopotam people of Mesopotamia and the people of Syria. But when David found out about it, look at verse 8. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. David called on just one man, Joab, to lead his troops into battle. Hanan called on two other kings to help him. David called on just one man, Joab. We can call on one man. One man. Do you know who we can call when we anticipate a fight? We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can call on Jesus. Isn't that good news? Rather than recruit an outsider into an unnecessary fight, you should call on one man, one man, Jesus, and praise him for the most necessary fight. The most necessary fight. He has fought for us and he won that fight, the fight to redeem your soul. To, to snatch your soul away from a burning hell. And if Jesus could win that fight, he can help you win anything you face today. Any fight, any financial fight, any emotional fight, any, any marital fight, any fight in your health, any fight in your mind, any fight for your destiny, call on one man. Recruit, you recruit that one man into your situation and Jesus can help you win. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Nobody. If you want to ruin a genuine act of kindness, I'll tell you what you do. Rely on insecure instigators inside your circle. Really embarrass ambassadors who are innocent. Recruit outsiders into an unnecessary fight. Finally, finally, if you want to really ruin a genuine act of kindness, number four, Keep the Father's will off your radar. Keep the Father's will off your radar. I'm in verse 13. Verse 13. Be of good courage and let us behave ourselves valiantly 
for our people and for the cities of our God. This is Joab talking to his brother. Uh, and let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. Joab had God on his radar. He had the will of God on his radar. Let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. The battle had begun by this time. They were in the fight. Joab and his forces are, are, are in the fight. And Joab noticed that he had basically had two enemies on two different sides. So he, he split the troops up between he and his brother Abishai. Abishai took one division to fight and uh, uh, Job took another division to fight. And he says, if you're overpowered and I see it, I'll come and help you and help me. Right. But the battle had begun. Job commanded David's troop. He split them up uh, and he told his brother to be encouraged and fight valiantly. That's what we have there in that 13th verse. He's talking to his brother, be encouraged. We got this. We got this. We got this. And Job wanted the Lord to bless them with a favorable outcome of the situation. And let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. Joel, why'd you say that? Because I have the Lord on my radar. I got the Lord on my radar. There's no record of any of Hanan's allies concerned with God's will. If you want to ruin a genuine act of kindness, keep the Father's will off your radar. Don't even, don't even worry about it. Don't even, listen, live as if you ain't even studying the will of God. Guaranteed to set up yourself being ruined or ruining a genuine act of kindness. So Job and Abishai beat the brakes off the Ammonites and their little friends. You know how people talk about their little friends? You know, you and your little friends act like y'all can. The Lord blessed David and Israel with the victory. That's how they won. The Lord blessed them. The Lord blessed David and Israel with the victory. Having the Father's will on your radar is important because you want to be on God's radar of favor. You want to be on God's radar of favor. David was on God's radar of favor, and he blessed David wherever he went. When you read about David's life, you will find that phrase repeated in, in the stories of David's life. And God blessed David wherever he went. David was victorious. David was prosperous. Until he messed up, yeah, until he messed up. But David, David, listen, God still looked out for David. You know why? Because David was on God's radar of favor. And when, when, when you have God's will on your radar, God has you on his radar of favor. Right? David was on God's radar of favor, and he blessed David wherever he went. Because when God has you on his radar of favor, God will fight your battles. God will make your enemies your footstool. God will put food on your table. God will keep a roof over your head. God, listen, God will take care of you when he has you on his radar of favor. And I believe I'm talking to somebody today who can testify, who can proclaim and declare and decree, I'm going to be all right. Because I, listen, I am on God's radar. We're going to be all right. With what's happening even in my household right now, I believe we're going to be all right. We are on God's radar of favor. To all of you who are part of our Union Grove Church family, we don't know when we're going to resume in-person worship. We don't know what, we, we don't know how this thing is going to pan out. But one thing I do know, Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church is on God's radar of favor. I believe it. I believe it with every every fiber of my being. 
We are on God's radar of favor. And I don't know how things have been going for you. I don't know who has tried to shame you. I don't know who has been ungrateful for your genuine acts of kindness. But I want you to know, listen, if you are a born again child of God, God has you on his radar of favor. And when God has you on his radar of favor, God knows how to bless his people. God knows how to protect his people. God knows how to come through for his people. And I believe I got one or two. I bet I got a good 20 to 30, 50 witnesses out there who can bear witness. I've been on God's radar of favor and I know that he will come through for you. Keep the will of God on your radar. No matter how things are going for you, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what fight you find yourself in, despite how you've tried to do the right thing, you've tried to do good, you've tried to be kind, but here you are in a fight after you've done what's right. God has you on his radar of favor. and You rest assured that God is going to cause you to prevail. You're going to come out with a victory. And when you do, in fact, before you do, don't wait until the battle is over. Go on and shout right now. If you're in a battle right now that you know, you know you shouldn't be in after all the kindness you've shown, after all the good things you've done, type in a good hallelujah right there in those comments and let somebody know that you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Here's the deal, y'all. Here's the deal. Hanan, with this situation, he, he's supposed to come out of this situation blessed. He, here he is now in a fight that he's losing. He's going to lose this fight. He's pulled innocent people in. He's pulled outsiders in to fight with them. Their men are being killed. Their men are running away when they see that they're just getting, I mean, they're just getting beat down. They're running away. Eventually, David is going to seize Hanan, the, the Ammonites, and they will become his servants. Eventually, right? I'm saying to you, Hanan, if he had played his cards right, if he had been a more gracious recipient of a genuine act of kindness, he very likely, I mean, it is it's safe to assume that he very likely would have come out of this situation blessed rather than coming out of this situation beaten. He played his cards wrong. Played his cards wrong. And now instead of coming out blessed, he's coming out beaten. If we were to sit down with Hanan right now, I wonder if he would tell us that he looks back over this situation and he sees he ruined it. He messed it up. David was sending his messengers to Hanan to say, listen, the same kind of relationship I had with your dad, me and you can have. Same way your dad looked out for me, I'm going to look out for you. To have David on your side, you know what I'm saying? But have, it would have been better than having Nationwide on his side. But he messed it up. He messed it up in how he responded. He messed it up. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Perhaps, perhaps you're at a point right now where you should be concerned, more concerned than ever before, with the will of the Father for your life and how you're going to deal with the situation you find yourself in. No matter what situation you're in, what is the will of the Father? That's how you need to respond. That's how you need to respond, especially when kindness has come your way. Because here's what the Word of God says. Watch this. Proverbs 11:17 tells us how to respond to kindness. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. And I believe Hanan will give us a hearty amen right there if he could. I bet Hanan would say, no, that's right. 
Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Proverbs 21 and 21 says this, Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. Speaking of kindness in that verse. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36. Luke 6, 35, 36. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Then the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 3 and 12, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I pray that these words will seep into our hearts today because rather than being a blessing, sometimes we can, we can bring a beat down on our own selves, in our own situations, on our families, in our lives. Rejecting kindness can sometimes really come back to bite you in the rear end. It just, it can turn out to not be so pretty for you. And I'm going to tell you this, rejecting God's kindness can have you coming out of, out of your life situation and facing eternal destiny at an eternal loss. For God has shown us kindness and when, he's, when He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That can be yours today. God was so kind to send us Jesus. God was so kind to come to us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And we cannot afford to reject the Lord's kindness. We cannot afford, we cannot afford to, to be suspicious of, of our Father's heart and His genuine act of kindness in sending His Son to die for us. Can't afford to do it. That has eternal repercussions that you can never come out of. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.